0: guys doing? come on how good is God amen let's pray Jesus thank you so much for tonight thank you that you are here you've anointed this place and we know that you're gonna equip us to be the church and to be an example so that people can experience your love, they can experience your grace, and ultimately they can experience eternity by getting into a relationship with you. So we thank you for this brand new series. We're so excited and we're so encouraged to see what you're gonna do as we commit this in your precious name, amen. As you take your seats, give some high fives. Bluetooth, if you still wanna do Bluetooth. Just to clarify, I'm the location pastor of Camps Bay. Yeah, it's not here, it's Andre and Leanne. It's just, there's no confusion there. My iPad just said limit, I'm gonna ignore that. Hold on, ignore for today, there we go. You guys well? I'm excited for our brand new series, Running With The Giants. I am a giant, so I resonated, I didn't write that down, but it just came to mind right now, so. I can't run because I have too many injuries and I've had surgeries and my knees get really sore when I run, so I have to walk now. And uh, it's walking with giants as Chris is shouting out. I'm gonna heckle you when you preach next time, really, I'm just gonna throw it out there. But uh, I'm really excited for the series. And um, I got married nine days ago, which was really cool. My beautiful wife. and uh, It's actually why I said God was good because if he can do it for me, he can do it for anyone who's still single and uh, promise you he is a good God we're gonna jump straight into it I don't want to go over time and uh, I'm excited for this series and I I just while I was worshiping I really felt God just lay a word on my heart for our nation and it was confirmed when Andre went up and asked us to pray for our country and even when I preached this morning I, I spoke into certain situations but I really believe that the church is gonna be the change that our country needs It's when the church rises up, it's when we set the example, it's when we live with grace, it's when we live with the light that He's called us to carry and the salt which He's called us to spread, we're going to see change that our country needs. And I'm praying and trusting that what's preached tonight, it's not my words, but it will fall on soft hearts, because I promise you when the church rises up, something shifts in our country. I believe it, I'm trusting for it. I'm trusting for it for you as an individual, I'm believing it for your family, I'm believing it for your business, if you're at school, for your future. When we rise up, we're gonna see something shift in our country and, and I'm excited about who we're speaking about tonight and, and really over the next five weeks, we're gonna be speaking about heroes, we're gonna be speaking about giants, where we can really draw lessons from and encouragement from that we can apply to our lives so that we can be giants for Jesus wherever we go. Where we can be examples wherever we serve. Where we can be examples wherever we work, whatever school we might go to. We are giants because we are encouraged by those who have gone before us. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We can learn from those who have gone before us. And essentially, it's focused on Hebrews 11. And I want to just go over the first three scriptures, and I'm going to break those scriptures up. And then we're gonna speak about an incredible man in the Bible. And this is what Hebrews 11 verse one to three says. Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made by what was visible. So what was seen was not made out of what was visible quick show of hands, I like to do my polls at the 6 p.m. service. Who's ever felt extremely disappointed before? Yeah, you almost promised something, and you never got it, but someone else got it, and it kind of caused us to be bitter, a bit angry, disappointed. Maybe you were promised a promotion at work, and maybe you've been promised that promotion for several years. But every time the promotion comes up and it's promised to you, someone else ends up getting it. And I can understand that's going to cause frustration. It's going to cause a bit of anger. I, uh, back in the day when I was a bit more athletic and not so injury prone, I really enjoyed playing cricket. Cricket was my sport. I used to live cricket. I used to eat cricket. It was just the best thing in the world. used to play it four days a week. It was amazing. And I was good. When I was 13, I'm not trying to boast or anything, but I was always tall. I was always a head taller than all my peers. I would open the bowling, and I was a mean opening bowler. And I would naturally, you know, get wickets because they couldn't face my bouncers because it wasn't meant for kids there. They were just so small. I was so big. And I was told that they were going to send me to provincial trials, and I almost had a future in provincial cricket. And when it came to the time that I was meant to be sent, I was never sent because politics were involved in who they sent. They could only send a certain amount of people to go to trials in our team, and there were dads who were coaching in the team, and the dads naturally sent their kids, and they left out other kids. And I had these things like, oh, uh, we're so excited to send you, but it never happened, and it disappointed me, because someone else took my place. There was disappointment. And the person who we're speaking about today was in the same situation where something was spoken over his life, but he never got it but it's in the moment where he never got it. It's the way he conducted himself. It's the way he led himself. The example he set, the grace that he showed that we can draw this incredible example from, that we can apply to our life. And this man is Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul. Quick bit of background. Saul was the first king of Israel. There was a time period where where God was leading Israel but they wanted a physical king. They wanted a, a, a man to lead them, essentially. I don't know about you, but I would have loved God to lead our country, right? He's a pretty good leader. <laughs> but they had this desire for a human king. So Saul became the anointed king of Israel. It's a big deal. And he was leading his nation, and he was leading with God. And, and with God leading him, they were just doing the most incredible things. They were winning battles. It was the best time. And he had sons, and one of his sons was Jonathan. And Jonathan was the first prince of Israel that there ever was. He was the prince of Israel. Now, if you're the prince, you know that one day when your father passes away, it's your right to take the throne of the kingdom. You don't keep the status of prince, but you take the status of king. And I don't know about you, we've seen those movies where the dad sits with his little son, and he's like, son, one day this is going to be yours. As far as you can see. It's like Lion King. Remember that scene? Is that what you guys were thinking about as well, hey? As far as you can see, it's going to be yours. You're going to inherit this one day. And he would have grown up being promised that this was going to be his throne. This was going to be his kingdom where he was going to rule the people of Israel, and he would have grown up knowing that. But unfortunately, Saul started to disconnect from God. He started to become selfish. He started to take credit for the battles that they won. He moved away from his relationship with God. And unfortunately, because he did that, and he went on the process of doing that, God didn't see him fit to be king anymore. In essence, he lost the throne. And that meant that Jonathan, who was promised this kingdom, was never gonna inherit the kingdom of Israel. And we see that God had anointed David to be the next king, but David had to go on a process until he was ready to take over the throne. I don't know about you, but if I'm Jonathan, naturally I'm gonna feel pretty disappointed, right? Is it just me? There's gonna be a level of anger a level of hurt, a bit of jealousy, (laughs) frustration. My whole life I was told that I was going to be king one day, and now I'm no longer going to be king. But it's the way we see Jonathan conduct himself in that moment that we can be encouraged as a church, that we can be encouraged as individuals. I don't know what's been robbed from you as an individual. Maybe it is that promotion, if it's finances, if it's a future you thought that you were going to have but you don't have it. And maybe you see other people in that future that you thought you were gonna be in. Maybe we're sitting here tonight and we're feeling like we're being robbed in our country. Like we were promised something, but it's not being delivered. We were promised hope, but we aren't experiencing it. I wanna encourage you. We can learn from the way that Jonathan conducted himself. We can learn. It says in 1 Samuel, 18 verses 1 to 4. And this is right after David defeated Goliath. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. He loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, And even his sword, his bow, and his belt. David then goes on to be involved in battles, and he was victorious, and and essentially he was the main man. And people started to sing the praises of David more than they started to sing the praises of Saul. And Saul saw this and became angry. He became bitter. He became jealous. And because of that, an evil spirit came upon him. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 18, verses 8 to 11. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens and thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on, on Saul. He was prophesying in his house, while David was, was playing the lyre the as he usually did. Saul had a great spear in his hand and he held it, saying, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Jonathan saw the way that Saul was responding to David. He he saw his father bitter and angry, and almost understanding that this kingdom wasn't going to be his one day. But instead of taking the side of his father, instead of going, You know what, Dad, you're right. I'm gonna join you. I'm also gonna become bitter. I'm also gonna become jealous. I'm also gonna become angry. He made a decision to honor the covenant that he made with David, to honor the friendship that he made with David. And he protected him. He stood up for David. He made sure that David was never gonna be in the face of danger. He was almost David's inside man. From someone who was meant to inherit the kingdom of Israel He became the person who was going to protect the future king of Israel. There was a peace. There was a grace. And there was a friendship. He didn't feel robbed. He felt honored to be David's friend. He felt honored to protect the future of David. 1 Samuel 19 verses 4 to 10. Jonathan spoke while of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you. And what he he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his own hands and killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel. And you saw it and were glad. Why then would you go and do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul. And David was with Saul as before. Once more war broke out, David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force that they fled before him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in his house uh, with a spear in his hand. And while David was playing the lie, Saul tried to put him to the war with his spear. But David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the war. That night David made a good escape. 1 Samuel 23 verses 16 to 18. I saw son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find his strength in the Lord. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. What a good friend. Not only was he at peace with the fact that David was going to become king one day, He made a decision that he was gonna serve him as his second-hand man. He made a promise to David and said, David, not only will you be safe, but the day you lead and the day you become king, I will serve right next to you. Jonathan was a loyal friend to the king of Israel, the future king of Israel. He didn't end up becoming the right-hand man of David because he ended up dying in battle. He was loyal. Not only was he loyal to David, he was still loyal to Israel. He was still loyal to his responsibilities as the prince. And when he was in battle, he succumbed to his injuries, and he died. And just after that, Saul passed away too. And in that moment, David became the king of Israel. It's an incredible story of friendship. It's an incredible story of putting one's self-desires aside and allowing God to do something in someone's life. That's why we can be inspired and encouraged by Jonathan. There's a couple of points which I'd like us to be encouraged by, and the first one is, Jonathan didn't want his blessing, he wanted God's blessing. Jonathan didn't want his blessing, he wanted God's blessing. When we see this, we see that Jonathan lived out one of our values and cultures, that there's power and unity He was unified in his relationship with Jesus. He was unified in his relationship with God. And because there was unity and because there was strength, he said, the world is promising me a kingdom, but I want the blessing that comes from God. His blessing wasn't found in leading Israel. His blessing was found in serving God. And in serving God, he knew that he was going to be at his safest place. He knew that he was going to be at his most powerful place because there is power when there is unity. He wanted the blessing from God and not the blessing that the world promised him. You might have been promised so many things, and those promises never came to be. But can I encourage you? The promises of God are yesterday, today, and tomorrow. They are eternal. They are everlasting. We need to rely on the strength and the power and our relationship with God, because we will see things the way that God wants us to see it. Jonathan wanted the blessings of God not the blessings that were promised to him. Because I promise you, the devil will do everything in his power to make you focus on what you think is yours and completely miss what God wants to give you. You will completely miss it. Can you imagine if he focused on killing David, like his dad, and he would have missed out on the bigger picture of protecting David? but there was something in seeing and that wanting of God's blessings. We read in Hebrews 11 in the beginning, and it says, now faith is the confidence. When you read about these heroes, when you read about these giants, that scripture tells us that every single one of them had a confidence in their relationship with God. They had a confidence in who God was. They had a confidence that God was sovereign, that he was all powerful. Jonathan was no different. He knew who God was. He had a confidence in God's plans. He had a confidence in the man that God had ordained to be the next king of Israel. There was a confidence. You and I need to have a confidence in God. And the only way we grow in confidence in God is when we spend time with God, when we read the, the character of God, the nature of God, the promises of God. When we do that, we're going to grow in our confidence with Him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7 says, for we live by faith and not by sight. It's by faith that we grow our confidence, not by sight. Because our sight will tell us that we've got to lose confidence in God because things might seem to be like they're, they're just going crazy. But our faith says God is still in control. God's still got a plan for our country. God still got a plan for me. God's still got a plan for the next generation. There's a future here. There's a future for my kids. There's a future for my kids' kids. That's what faith teaches us. And faith is a confidence in God. It's a confidence. Number two, Jonathan's faith made him go even though it hurt. Jonathan's faith made him go even though it hurt. And the value in culture that we see Jonathan live out here was he was flexible, not fragile. He was flexible and not fragile. We all know that when you stretch, it hurts. I've had enough injuries to know that when you stretch those muscles in the beginning, it's going to hurt, but you know you've got to stretch them. (laughs) Because if you don't stretch them, you become fragile and you're probably going to hurt them even worse the next time. Jonathan lived out what it meant to be flexible. He was promised something, but it changed. And he could have been fragile, and he could have been broken, and he could have been offended, and he could have been hurt. But he made a decision to be flexible and to go, God, I know you're in control. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm still going to be your son. I'm still going to be your servant. I'm still going to serve my father. I'm still going to serve Israel. I'm still going to protect David. I'm going to be flexible. It might not have been what I thought it was going to be, but it's changed, and that's okay. You might not think that what is around us is what you thought it was going to be. But if it's changed a bit, the best thing you and I can do is to remain flexible. Because if we are fragile, it's going to hurt a lot. (laughs) But his faith took him to the place where he was willing to go. He was willing to still serve his father, but he was willing to protect David, even though it could have hurt him. And it probably did. His faith took him even though it hurt. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along... The right path for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For You are with me, Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely Your goodness and Your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That scripture says that it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies, but they're going to be valleys that we've got to walk through. And even though those valleys might hurt, We've got a shepherd who's protecting us. We've got a shepherd who's anointing us. We've got a shepherd who's equipping us. And not only that, but we've got a God and a Father who will prepare us a table in front of our enemies, and we will feast, and we will be victorious, and we will still get to the place where God wants us to get, because even though it hurts, we're a church who's willing to go. I want to encourage you, and I want you to ask yourself the question, are you willing to be used by God, even when it might hurt? There might be a season where it's going to hurt in our country. But the best thing you and I can do as the church is to carry the hope of Jesus. And we carry it by being flexible. We carry it by being encouraging. This is not the be-all and end-all. There's a great future for our country, but it needs to come from the church. Because our future is sustained by our Father in heaven. Isaiah 45, verse 12 says, I have made the earth and I, crema- I created man on it. I, my hand, stretch out the heavens, and I host all I have commanded. God has all authority on heaven and on earth. His authority hasn't left this place. His authority hasn't left your life. His authority hasn't left our nation. Never forget that God is in control. God is in control. Number three, Jonathan had a big vision. Jonathan had a big vision, and because he had a big vision, we see that he was able to be generous in the way that he lived his life. He was generous, because he had a big vision. I love this scripture, and we spoke about it before, but I want to hone in on it again. It says, 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 4, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Why was that significant? Because the robe that he was wearing meant that he was next to inherit the kingdom of Israel. But in a moment, we can see his vision got bigger. He took it off his shoulders and he put it on David's. He could see David in this vision. He could see David in the future of Israel. That robe was significant. He didn't just give it away. He didn't just give it to someone else. But he took it off his shoulders and he put it on the shoulders of David. His vision was big. His vision was big for his life. See, it wasn't a be all, the, the buck didn't stop because he wasn't gonna be king of Israel one day. He still had a big vision for his life. And because he had a big vision for his life and because he had a big vision for Israel, he was able to be generous in how he loved his father. He still loved his father and how he loved David, and how he protect David. If we only see what's in front of us and can't see God in our situation, our vision is gonna be very small. Our vision is gonna be very narrow-minded. Again, Hebrews 11, we read it, and it's this piece of scripture, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible if you want a big vision for your life you have to invite God into your vision you have to invite God into your family you have to invite God into your future because if you don't invite God you're going to see it for what it is and it's going to discourage you and it's going to make you angry and it's going to make you feel like you've been robbed that you were meant to be there we were meant to get this because God's out of the picture But when God's in the picture, you're going to be encouraged, and you're going to have a hope, and you're going to have a belief, and you're going to have a faith that's going to transcend anything that you could ever believe or imagine, and it's going to help you have this incredible vision. Acts two verse seventeen says, "And it shall come to pass in the last days," says God, "that I pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall shall see visions." and you old men shall dream dreams. And the reason I spoke about that scripture is because if you want to have a fresh vision for your life, if you want to be able to dream big dreams for yourself and for your family and for our country, the ingredient there is the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Don't dream in your, with your flesh. Don't dream with a human understanding. Dream with God giving you a dream for the future. Have a vision with God giving you a vision for our country. Jonathan had God at the center of his life. God protected his vision. God protected his dreams. And because God did that, his dreams were able to be massive. And because they were big, he was able to be generous. If you struggle to be generous, have a look at the vision that you have for your future. Because the smaller the vision, the more you're going to try and hold on to what is yours. But the bigger the vision, the more encouraged you're going to be to be generous with your words, with your time, with your talents and your treasure because you see a future that only you and God might be able to see but it's going to encourage you and it's going to help you. Be the servant God has asked you to be. Can I have some keys on stage please? My last point is Jonathan was loyal. I've spoken about it but he was loyal. Our country needs people who are gonna be loyal to it. Even when it seems like there might not be a future, because trust me, there's an incredible future for our country, but it needs the church to be loyal. It needs the church to still serve it. It needs the church to still have an incredible vision for its future. Our country needs us to be loyal. Jonathan was loyal. He was a loyal friend to David. Even in the mix of his dad and he didn't understand, he didn't know what the relationship with his dad might have turned out, but he was loyal to David. He was loyal to his father. He still served next to his father's side. He still went into battle. He was loyal to Israel. In all of this craziness, in all of this, he still decided to be loyal. And the reason I I wanted us to focus on loyalty is because That was an incredible sign of loyalty from Jonathan. But we have an even greater example of loyalty, and it's Jesus. When I was just meditating on this point and praying to this point, I just got the picture of Jesus being nailed to the cross in his final moments. And at any point he could call the angels and they could have taken him off. But he was loyal to you and me on that cross. He endured the pain, he endured the suffering, he endured the nails, he endured the thorn, the crown of thorns being pressed onto his head. He endured being whipped, he endured being beaten because he was loyal to us. He was loyal to our eternity. He wanted to spend eternity in heaven with us. He wants to be in a relationship with you and I. Jesus was loyal. Can you close your eyes? just out of a sign of respect. Tonight, we know that Jonathan was a son to God and a friend to David. He was loyal to God and he was loyal to David. But the biggest encouragement, as we know, is that Jesus was the ultimate Example of loyalty and because he was loyal to us and because we have this hope that is Jesus and because we have the promise of eternity and we know that yes this life is now but we haven't even created a life when we go to heaven one day but in that we know that we can have a big vision because of the loyalty of Jesus because of the loyalty of Jesus we can go and we can be used by Jesus even though it might be uncomfortable and it might hurt And in the loyalty of Jesus, we know that the greatest blessing is not the blessing that the world promises, but it's the blessing and the promise of eternity. So you might be sitting here tonight and you haven't experienced the loyalty of Jesus. You haven't experienced the love of Jesus. You haven't experienced the promise of Jesus. If that's you and tonight you want to make the greatest decision to stop living for yourself, to stop chasing the the, the, the dreams of the world and, and and to start having a vision for your own life again that God has given you, to have a vision for our, for for our country and for your family. If you know that you you got to stop living for yourself and you got to start living for something greater which is Jesus. On the count of 3, I want to encourage you to put your hand up. No one's looking. It's a sign of respect. No one's looking it's a sign of respect if you know that tonight is the night you want to make the greatest decision to accept jesus as your lord and savior on the count of three. One, two, three. do you want to put your hand up high no one is looking we've got a hand here we've got a hand in the middle over here thank you jesus if there's anyone else there's a hand at the back too thank you jesus no one is looking if you know that tonight is the night that you want to live for something greater than yourself don't miss out on this opportunity. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know what, hold, what what's in front of us right now. It's an opportunity to make the greatest decision. There's another hand over there. Thank you, Jesus. With everyone's eyes closed, church, can we pray this prayer together? Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I declare that I am a sinner, I pray that you forgive me of my sins today i declare that you are my lord and savior and that i live my life for you i pray that you keep me that you guide me that you show me your ways in jesus name we pray amen come on church can you give me jesus some praise thank you jesus i don't know about you But I'm excited for the series, as we learn from incredible men and women in the Bible, and that we can take these examples and live the lives that are gonna bring glory to God. Amen.
1: Come on, let's thank Matt. I I thought that was an incredible message. Listen, I actually think that's, Jonathan's such a significant person in the Bible, uh, because clearly he was in line for a title but he did let a spirit of entitlement actually come on his life. And he ended up deciding to be friends with a king so that he could stay the son of a heavenly king. And you know, sometimes our entitlement, we can become so obsessed with it that we'd rather walk away from a heavenly king and pursue what the world says is success and, and almost get frustrated. And, and I promise you, marching down streets hasn't changed much, much, but kneeling before a king has totally changed the world. And so I want to encourage you to, to stay humble and, and to get close to God. And um, yeah, I just, I just think that was such a good message. Thank you, man. Uh, um, and just something else, else you said was Jonathan gave David his robe. And Jesus gave us the robe of righteousness. Jesus gave us his robe. What an incredible picture of who Jesus would be to us. Jesus, the King of Kings, says, yeah, I'll take on your robe of sin and I'll pay for it. And here's my robe of righteousness. And God will look at you just like he looks at me. It's an incredible story. I did have a laugh in my head. Are you, Monty Python, skip where the father says to the son, points to the window, I'm going to leave you all of this. And of course the father's looking out of the field and the son's like, what? The curtains? Anyway, bad joke. You guys remember that. Um, <laughs> Saul and Jonathan, I'll leave you all of this. Anyway, just, it was in my head. Um, the curtains. Um, we are selling burr rolls robes <laughs> for 20 bucks. We've prayed over them, people who eat them, before more in love with Jesus. And so I encourage you to eat one. We've also got coffee. Remember, if you're new, grab your first cup of cappuccino um, at the red banner. But if you're not into cappuccinos, you can get a hot chocolate, use your voucher for hot chocolate, whatever. If you want us to pray for you, um, you can use your next steps card in the seat coming in front of you. Fill it out. If it's a personal prayer, you don't have to put your name on, but our staff and our prayer team will pray over it. And you can put it in the bucket as you leave. There'll be a bucket at the door. Um, if you do want to use your next step card for a next step, you can write out your next step. Or the best way is to really go to the red banner don't miss next week's second week of running with the giants otherwise known as running with matt um that's what we changed in the name or walking with matt sorry god bless you guys enjoy the